to later on where like I'm in the ring with with you know the guy kind of guys you're talking about like with a Manny Pacquiao or Amir Khan or, or even Ruslan Pravonikov when I had a broken orbital and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like okay um, I can't let him hit me with the left hook again. Get your hands up. Haymakers coming at you from one of the world's top boxers, Chris Algieri. Here we go. You're undefeated going into fight Pacquiao over in Asia in Macau. You go 12 rounds with this dude. Pacquiao is supposed to be one of the best fighters, obviously, of all time. What, what one thing stands out to you most about that fight? You know, people ask me about that fight all the time, obviously, but um, I, don't, I don't like to describe it as a fight. I describe it as an experience. Like, it was the Pacquiao experience because after I, I, I won the title um, against Ruslan Provodnikov on HBO, which was the Ring Magazine upset of the year that year, I, was, I think I opened up at like a 14-1 to underdog for that fight. Um, like, it really just like, it blew up on the world stage. I, I went from not being even known to... Hey, buddy. <laughs> we got a little fighter coming Sorry, my, on next. My, my, my nephew's coming in here. Oh, it's all good. As, long, showing as, you, me as long as you put him through some shadow boxing here, that's that's what we want. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a future heavy hitter for sure. Um, but, yeah, so so that, that, that Pacquiao experience. So after that, after winning that title, it was like I was just like really exposed to the world stage. You know, um, you know before that, I was relatively unknown, and that really kind of kind of blew me up. And we did a two and a half week multi city uh, world press tour for the Pacquiao fight. Wow! Like we went to, you know, the fight was in Macau, yeah. but we were in Shanghai, Hong Kong, uh, Macau, San Francisco, Las Vegas, L.A., New York. Like it was, it was crazy. With press conferences at every single one of those cities, meeting meeting all the locals, autograph signings, meet you know meet and greets. Um, interviews all over the place Jeez. you know satellite interview interviews with literally like 50 countries i mean it was it was mind-blowing that that whole that's why i call it, i don't even call it a fight it was an experience and then um i held my training camp in in las vegas i lived in the in the the uh the venetian and the palazzo for for two months and did my training camp right there not a bad um so not a bad choice i pretty <laughs> much was living in a hotel for three months straight um in in vegas and in macau getting ready for the fight but um yeah i can't think there's that like one thing well, i really think about because it was just it was so much that's an even better answer i mean that whole experience i mean you think about it you look at it just being the fight and the 12 rounds that you went with him but i mean it's everything that goes into it i bet that like i know pacquiao rolls deep with his crew too like i told you i was oh, i was yeah. working with him in the philippines and i saw everybody with him and was out there for the the mayweather pacquiao fight and his whole mm-hmm. crew posting up. So I, I'm, I'm glad you didn't take on Pacquiao and his whole crew at the press conferences like happens a lot in boxing. Yeah, but I had, yeah well, I had to fight like all the Philippines. <laughs> he was literally <laughs> flying people over to watch him come to the fight. Uh, they chartered, they chartered man, a yeah. private jet to bring over his fans. It's crazy. Jeez, all right. Me and you are going to get a charter flight. Well, I'll be your one. Yeah. You probably got a <laughs> posse. You probably, you probably, yeah, let me in your posse. Nah, my crew is tight, man. <laughs> we are super tight, and we've stayed. We'd stayed tight. I think it's gotten smaller over since I made it. Honestly, but that's the way to but do that, it, man. Keep people close yeah. that you've been around for a long time. Well, give the audience a background on yourself. Uh, what uh, led to you becoming one of the world's elite boxers? Maybe influences growing up. What drove you? Your big break. Mm-hmm. Hit me. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I just grew up watching watching boxing. My my mother's from Argentina, so um, in Argentina the two major sports are football and boxing, well soccer and boxing. Um, so I lived with my grandfather and grandmother from my mother's side in the house, and they uh, we we used to watch every fight that was on t on TV. You know, ESPN fights, HBO fights, Showtime fights. Um, he loved Mike Tyson. Every time he fought was like a huge deal. Um, Oscar De La Hoya was actually who I grew up as kind of like my hero and he was big in the nineties. He was the nineties fighter basically. Um, so those are the kind of the guy, like that's how I kind of got into it. Like it's the first sport I ever remember watching. We, um, my household, we're, we don't, we're not really big sports fans. We don't watch football. We don't watch baseball. We don't watch any of the like regular sports, uh, the regular American sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's really what I remember growing up is watching, watching boxing. And my grandfather, he, he was my hero. So like he used to speak so highly about these champions that it was just, it was very easy for me to be like, all right, well, if this is my guy, yeah. this is my hero, then, you know, and that's his hero. I'm just going to go right, right to the top and, and, and want to be like those guys. All right. Welcome back to the Game of Life podcast. We've got Jeremy Lin on. Jeremy, what's going on? The two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. He's like the eye of the hurricane, because in the middle of the hurricane, it's really calm. And so Michael never tried to stop all the madness around him. What he learned was he just got calm in the middle of it. Stealing that pass at Staples, I was like, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give Kobe a little glance after that. What's up? Uh, you want to be that person that when they walk into a room, that people are happy to see you. Talk to me about working with Ronaldo. You helped coach Ronaldo to become a great sleeper. A human test tube. Thank you, man. I, I, I think that's like one notch up from being a human guinea pig. They'll take it. In a good uh, way. And I just pray, man. Like, I just pray and I just thank God for, for everything. The moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Oh, man, that was from day one. That was the, the, the day I got drafted when I heard my name being called. Buckle up, the Game of Life podcast coming at you, where we bring to you the behind-the-scenes lives of NBA players, business-savvy entrepreneurs, and top-level performers in all fields of personal development. The podcast that helps you become the best version of you. Being a boxer, you got to have a super intense and strict mindset as it is, and, and that's what we're big on here on the Game of Life podcast. Is mm-hmm. how do you develop a mindset that makes you a champion? Like, like talk us through the mindset that you've had to develop. I mean, growing up and and when you go into fights with Pacquiao or Khan, and I know it's just come second nature to you, but uh, it doesn't to a lot of people. How did you develop that mindset of man? This is just this is what I'm going to do. I'm in the ring. I'm in the storm. I'm going to get it. You know, I don't think it, it, it really did come natural to me, honestly. I was, you know, I grew up, um, my brother was a really good athlete. And I will say to this day, a much better athlete than I am. Um, you know, he played baseball and he was a swimmer. He was just good at everything he did. He was good at basketball. He was good at baseball. He's, you know, he's, he was, yeah, I hate those just, people, man. I know exactly. it's not me either. <laughs> so I grew up with this guy who was five years older than me, who was better at all the sports that we were doing. And it was like the captain of the team, the star player in the team. And then like, yeah, I played baseball and I was out there chewing my glove in, in the outfield, you know, <laughs> in little league and like being bored, you know, at, and swim practice. And, and my brother is like a state champ, you know? So like yeah. I grew up always being second fiddle to this, this guy who, 
I mean, he was older than me anyway, but I just couldn't beat him. You know, I couldn't, right. I couldn't get as much attention as he was getting, but I wanted it. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if I always inherently wanted the attention or if it grew because of that. Um, but I just kind of realized that I was like, all right, I'm going to have to work really, really, really hard if I'm going to get noticed in anything. Um, and I think just comparing myself to someone who was, you know, pretty much not beatable, you know, for me growing up, um, gave me that mindset that I need to work really hard and I need to be really disciplined and I can't cut corners because I'm not one of those guys who's, who's born to do this. So, um, that was kind of where the mindset really developed. And you grew up in New York. So, I mean, you get tough points just growing up right there. And the most important question I got to ask you is you have to remember vividly the first time you knocked your brother out. <laughs> so, I didn't, so the first, the, I wasn't actually I knocked him out. I, it was it was two different occasions. Um, twice. Yeah, I got him twice. Uh, he was picking on me. We were in my my dad had one of those like old school Astro vans, and he's in the back seat with his best friend, and I'm in one of the captain's chairs. You know, I don't even know what I was doing. I'm probably playing a Game Boy or something. <laughs> and he smacks he smacks me in the back of the head. Bang. And, you know, it's my older brother and I'm like, uh, you know, he's showing off in front of his friend. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat that one. You know, I'm going to call him a name and then just keep going. He does it again. Bang. I get up, turn around and I'm like, I'm like, what's, you know, like, come on, dude. Like, really? And I throw him in a, in a, in a front choke and we're in this van. So like I lock this thing in, he goes to stand up as if to pick me up, but we're in a van. He can't get up. So my, my, my back hits the ceiling of the Astro van. I have this, this guillotine choke in, and I am squeezing with every ounce of my strength at this time. I was probably 12, <laughs> 12 13 years old yeah. and he had nowhere to go. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't, he couldn't move. He was stuck in the back of a, a van. He couldn't get up and he had to tap. And right there was like the turning of the tide. It was like, like oh shit! Like this 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 little guy can get me now. I need to be. I need to, I need <laughs> yeah, to and he him. never picked <laughs> on you again. <laughs> I need to show him some respect because I'm gonna I'm gonna get clinched up again. Uh, but uh, that's really yeah, funny, that's man. Uh, so when you're in these fights, when you're in these fights with Pacquiao and Khan, uh, and everybody's watching you, and you're on the world stage. I mean, millions of people watching you, and that's the hardest thing for athletes to do: be able to stay calm in the storm how do you how do you find yourself doing that how do you find if man you got Pacquiao throwing punches at you and but you stay calm you find your peace yeah that, honestly that's something that I've always actually been good at um I'm a very cerebral fighter in general so um I use a lot of visualization techniques prior to prior to bouts during my training camps to kind of see everything that's nice. going on because I used to get really nervous you know about going into the ring and about fighting and um you know, between kickboxing and boxing, I've had 44 professional fights. So I've had a lot wow. of time to kind of cultivate how to approach a fight and, and to stay calm and to be aware. And I, I vividly remember every fight. I mean, I remember my first amateur kickboxing fight when I was 15 years old and it literally being like I was in a war zone. I felt like there was napalm blowing up all around me. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew I had to bite down my mouthpiece and throw punches. So, <laughs> Yeah. To where to later on where like I'm in the ring with with, you know, the guy and kind of guys you're talking about, like with a Manny Pacquiao or Amir Khan or, or even Ruslan Pravonikov when I had a broken orbital and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, OK, um, I can't let him hit me with the left hook again because that's what damage my eye. I got to really protect my eye. I can use this, this, this. He does this when when I do this, you know, like I'm literally going step by step. I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm going to try this, see what happens, analyze that and then move from there um, to where literally any punch could could end your night. And right. essentially, end your career. 
So it's just, it's just, it's just something you learn and you pick up and you have to kind of develop that and be actively thinking about how you're going to be more, more in the moment and more cerebral and being able to kind of focus and, and stay calm in, in, in the eye of the storm. Yeah, I think I think boxing is the most in the moment sport that there is. You hit the nail on the head. Like you have to be thinking punches ahead. You also have to be thinking where you're gonna where you're gonna hit him, where he's mm-hmm. gonna give up his weak point. That's just. I mean, that's that's like slowing the pace of life down to the max. That's it's really impressive, it's, man. It's uh, I call it the fastest chess game in the world. That's, you got to think. Oh wow, great! You, you got to think moves ahead, and you got to do it. I mean, it's seconds are too long. You know, it's, yep. it's, you have to just be reacting. Um, and a lot of it, you don't even in the moment mentally know you're doing it, but you are, you know, you, that's how fast your mind and your body has to work. Um, I mean, if people talk about hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do, hitting a, hitting a round ball with a round bat, you know, but like that mound is far away. You got guys throwing punches at even faster rate from 15 inches in front of you and you got to make them miss. So I, I don't think anyone who ever says that has ever had a, a world class fighter throw a punch at them <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> yeah, because literally, if you lose focus for a millisecond, you're down. You're knocked out. Absolutely. You're, yeah, Crazy. you can wake up in the in the locker room. Yep. You know what what happened? I've wow. seen that a hundred times. The guys in the back wake up. They they literally get to the after the, they're in the ring afterwards, or they're in the locker room to say what happened. Yeah. Did did I lose? Yeah, you, <laughs> you got you got knocked out, bro. Oh uh, wow. Quick break in the podcast, talk about our sponsor, Chimera Coffee, which Chris is actually a brand ambassador for. So Chimera Coffee, what it is, is nootropic-based coffee with increased focus, power, and output to increase your cognition. These are natural amino acids that are typically found in foods, but not always easy to get through diet alone, and you can get them through coffee now. So the best tasting coffee straight from the mountains and fields of Dominican Republic. It's not just coffee. It's a movement. Become the legend. Check them out. Check out, enter the code NURSE, 15% off your coffee. Your mornings will be rocked. All right, back to the second half of the Game of Life podcast. And you should look up a picture of Chris. It's really interesting because if you see him out, you wouldn't think, man, this guy's a world-class boxer. He's going to knock me out. But yeah, don't test your luck with him. One of the greatest stories of giving up everything to follow your passion and your dreams and rising to the top. Second half of the podcast with Chris Algieri coming up right now. Okay, so I'm really big on uh, getting out of your comfort zone and how it can grow you yeah. as an individual. And I always try to challenge myself every half a year or quarter to do something that just really freaks me out. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone and reaching your break, breaking point? I literally based my career on it. So um, I started doing my training camps outside of New York uh, after my ninth pro fight. Um, I just knew that if I was home and 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 I had all the distractions that were there and, and just kind of like the regular life and felt comfortable where I was, I wasn't going to maximize my training and, and, and make the moves that I needed to move to do. So I literally took my savings. I quit my job. I moved to Las Vegas. Uh, this is in 2010. Um, I had a really good job. I was actually a lab technician at Colston Harbor Laboratories, one of the premier uh, labs in the world. And it was right around the corner from my house in Long Island. I worked there for about three years. And, uh, I told them what I wanted to do. I didn't know how they were going to take it. I was, you know, basically 
you know, telling them, giving them my two weeks. And they said, uh, they said, yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Go chase your dreams. So I took my money, I took my savings and I moved out there with my, with my trainer at the time. And, um, and literally was sleeping on my friend's couches, uh, you know, going to the gym, literally walking into gyms in Las Vegas and being like, all right, we're here to spar. Like who do you got? I'm 140 pounds. What are you, know, who, who can we work with? Um, we called up the Mayweather boxing club. We want literally asking to spar with Mayweather. We're like, yeah, we got, I got a guy. He's nine and oh, uh, he's, you know, he, he wants to spar. We, who do you, who do you got? You know, he's, he's, he's around way with his weight. So let's go. Um, needless to say a white guy in, in, yeah. <laughs> in Las Vegas walking into these gyms, asking for sparring. It really wasn't hard to get sparring, but, um, you know, yeah. so I, I always, always trying to kind of push my limit and get into right. to some uncomfortable positions. I did the same thing. I moved to, to Oxnard, California. I lived there for all of 2012. Um, and I did four or five training camps out there. Just, yeah. just living in, living in a hotel, going to the gym, take us on people's, take, take mm-hmm. us through some of that, some of that training. What was kind of the intense training that you had to do? Like, cause with, with boxing, if you're going to be a world-class fighter, you literally have to say to your body, Hey, this is going to be as painful as anything, but I can make it through it. Yeah. I was actually talking to somebody about that yesterday. Um, you know, like you gotta, you gotta be willing to, to be past the point of feeling okay. You know, you've got to be able to push so hard that, you know, when, when your heart rate intensity gets up to like, you know, the 90, 95 percentile, like, which a lot of people can't even do, you know, most people have never even thought about getting it that high where when you're training for a world-class event, you've got to do that regularly. You know, you've got to get to the point where you're dizzy and want to throw up because your heart rate's so high and your lactic acid threshold is just fucking pumping. And you know, that's, that's what we do regularly. We do that a couple times a week, you know, and, um, you've got to be able to show up three days a week and get in a ring with multiple guys who are trying to knock your head off, um, for sparring. That's another thing people don't realize about boxing sparring, very different than MMA sparring. Yeah. Boxers, when we spar, we're trying to knock each other out. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know some we're of those. Wearing, we're wearing, yeah, we're wearing bigger gloves and we're wearing headgear. But like at the end of the day, like man, we're trying to we're trying to really get after each other. It's 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 not like a lot of other other combat sports where they kind of spar. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, that's that's the best way to practice. I think. I mean, in basketball, when I'm training players, it's always practice like you're going to play in the game because then you're ready for the game. So, I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess same thing to boxing, but you might be knocked out that you can't play the game. Going yeah, on so though, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say like you got you got to be competitive. That's and oh, the only way yeah. to be competitive in in a boxing ring is if you're trying to hurt the other guy. You know, so that's that's where the competitive nature comes in. Yeah, I've always wondered that too. Like, if, I mean, if you don't, if you dislike a guy more, are you going at him harder? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I think at the higher levels, uh, it doesn't matter because like, yeah. it's a, it's such a skill-based sport that people right. for, you know kind of forget about um that it can throw you off your game if you're trying to hurt a guy more than you know than just getting the job done it's a great point okay talking about taking hits and boxing affecting the brain you are like you're like the renaissance man you're a boxer you're extremely sharp i mean just how articulate you are when you speak and all that you've done in sports nutrition that's that we'll get into and you're talking about working at the labs and Basically, the effects on boxing having on the brain. I know a lot of people will say it's it's going to give you concussions. It's going to give you long term brain um, bad health. What what kind of uh, knowledge do you have on that? What kind of backing do you? How do you feel? How does your brain feel? Um, just just talk to the audience about the effects on yep. 
the brain. There is no question that there is trauma to, to the head in, in for a professional boxer. Just like there's no question that there's trauma to the head for, for a, a football player. Right. Um, it's just it's the nature of the, of the sport in, in and of itself that, um, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport. Uh, it's, it's heads being hit, um, you know, repeatedly. So there, there's going to be residual damage, you know, to neurologically for any, any fighter. And um, that's, just, that's just part of it. And that's part of the risk that, that we – we understand and we take as fighters. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's risk versus reward. Um, you know, we don't like to think about it. Um, I always have, and something that I've always thought was, um, important to me. And it's exactly why I developed the style that I've developed, the way that I fight. Um, you know, like you said, like I'm, I'm, I'm still sharp and articulate. Very, I, very sharp. I don't have a lot of scar tissue on my face whatsoever. No. Uh, yeah. De La Hoya might be called pretty boy, but uh, I think you, I think you would beat him out. I've yeah, been with you. Like, I've been with you out in LA. So I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you look close, I really, there's not a whole lot going on. So it's, you know, it, it, so that's, that's, that's in testament to, to, to two things really. One, the style that I choose to fight. Um, I'm a, like I said, I'm a cerebral guy. I choose to, yeah. to have good defense and not take a lot of damage. Um, uh, but also being in, in the best shape possible. You know, when you're, when you're physically fit, especially, you know, when you're more fit than everybody else, the risk of getting hurt is, is limited. You know, you're, you, there's still, it's always a risk. Um, and, cause it does take one shot, but your body's ability to recover from hard shots, your body's ability to take hard shots, um, you know, is all augmented by, how fit and healthy you are. Mm -hmm. So I live a very clean lifestyle in between fights. I stay in good shape. Um, I don't have that ballooning up and down and weight like a lot of guys do. And I think that, that, that hurts them in a health health wise, which can increase their their risk of injury on fight night guys who cut a ton of weight and then go in there and are dehydrated when they're going 12 rounds or, you know, anything like that. Cerebral spinal fluid is fluid. So if you're dehydrated, your brain protection is, is going to be diminished. So for me, that's where the nutrition really comes in for me, um, for, for my career. It's really important for me to be properly hydrated, properly fueled. So I can limit those risks of, of injury, especially brain injury. That leads into our next point too. Is you you live your lifestyle, like that's that's a huge thing. If people follow their passion and they just say it is and, and want to do it fifty percent of the time, it, it never works out. But if you have a passion <laughs> as you do with boxing, you're going to live that lifestyle one hundred percent of the time, and that means everything. That means I mean, you neurologically being locked in, your mental focus, your motivation, your hard work, and nutrition as you hit on it, and you. You work for Stony Brook University as a head performance nutrition coach, correct? Correct. Yep. Yes. So, and you've had the opportunity to work with over 500 Division One athletes, 16 mm-hmm. different sports teams. So you're much more than just a boxer throwing punches. Like you understand it. Talk to the audience yeah. about about mm-hmm. what you're doing with Stony Brook and the nutrition and the holistic approach that you're taking towards it. Yeah. So the uh, the Stony Brook um, athletic department is is really on the rise. They're really trying to really expand and and, and get on there with the the, the top tier um, Division one athletics out there. So I'm a, I'm a Stony Brook uh, alum from uh, 2007, and I've kept close ties with with the university over the years throughout my boxing career. Um, you know, I've always often come back and spoke to the scholarship students or the student athletes, uh, just about being successful and staying motivated and training hard. And, um, throughout that whole time, I was studying nutrition, honestly, for myself, for my own career to, to, you know, to make myself a better athlete. Um, and that was always a big thing. Boxers aren't always great athletes. 
Um, we don't have structured training systems like a lot of other sports. There's no school programs. There's no, um, you don't box in high school or college. Right. I think it's literally a handful of those. So you don't have a systematic approach to training. So you kind of have to figure out on your own. Um, there's definitely no nutrition training or, or nutrition coaches out there for, for young guys coming up. So for me, I took that on myself to be a better athlete all around to help me with my boxing career. And on top of that, I was kind of a science guy. Um, and, uh, the science of cutting weight for me seemed like something really interesting that I wanted to learn about. And then I just started learning about nutrition and, and, uh, and studying it on my own in the age of, of Google. There's a lot of, a lot of things to read out there (laughs) when you're a young guy. Yeah. How, how is, how has your knowledge of nutrition helped you become a better athlete and helped you become just live a healthier lifestyle? How have you implemented that in your life? Going back to what I said earlier about like I wasn't one of those guys who's born to, to yeah. just be good at this stuff. Um, you know, I just I needed to figure out every shortcut I could, um, yep. and and this was that was kind of like my shortcut. I was going to be in better shape. I was going to work harder, be fitter. Um, I was going to be better fueled. I was going to be more more hydrated. Like all the all those little things that we don't really think about as athletes, but we think about maybe as coaches or you know mm-hmm. whatever. I thought about you know as a young as a young guy. Um, I was a wrestler in high school and, uh, I mean, cutting weight in high school when you know nothing about cutting weight is literally awful. <laughs> I, I hated my life through high school. Uh, uh, I don't know how you did it. That's man, I, I completely agree with you. That's the same way I was with basketball. I was not a gifted athlete. So I had to do every little small, little detailed thing to make mm-hmm. myself better, give myself every little advantage. And they used to drive me nuts when I see players eat whatever they want and they'd still go out there and, and put 30 up and I'm I'm doing the perfect meal here at the perfect yep. time getting the right amount of sleep but I think that's what drives us in our professional careers as coaches too because now we understand yep. that how much those little details matter that's, absolutely that's great and that that kind of leads into the next thing as far as like life hacks do you do you have any life hacks or routines that you do daily to help you become the most efficient possible because you have you have so much going on in your life as a professional boxer as a coach mm-hmm. I mean, everything that you do do you have have routines that you could share with the audience yeah absolutely so i'm big on, on writing lists i like to uh, nice. you know thoughts become things so I, I write a lot um so I'm, I'm big on on kind of listing out my day i feel much more efficient that way when i have kind of a stepwise approach to what i'm gonna mm-hmm. what i have to handle that day and how i'm gonna go about it um, you know, and, and part of that probably comes from even like my nutrition. Cause I used to write everything down that I would eat in a day, what time, how much. Um, and I, I've kind of pushed that into just knocking off goals throughout the day. It's like, all right, I'm gonna do this at this time, this at this time. Um, and anything that doesn't get, get, get done that day is going to get pushed to the next day. Right. And having those lists and being able to look back at them and be like, all right, well, even, even if you have a, a, a like you go through a week and you don't feel that accomplished, you can go back and be like, oh, well, I knocked off all these things. You have that as a checklist to go back to as, as a reference point. Be like, all right, I did a lot more than I, this week than I, than I thought I did. I can feel better about myself and be more motivated for next week. Yeah, that's, I do the same thing too. <laughs> Sometimes I make my list too long and then I get overwhelmed at the end of the week. I'm like, man, I got to get back to this. But you're right. It gives you a mm-hmm. lot of, yeah, sense that you got something done. We're going to throw you on the hot seat, my man. We're going rapid fire mode. Whatever comes to your mind, just shoot it at me. Let's go. First one I got to hit you with. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in a boxing in a boxing match? Craziest thing stands out. Yep. 
ever happened to me in a boxing match? Um, <laughs> breaking my orbital the first round of a of a twelve round fight. That's got to be the craziest thing by far. And you went twelve rounds with a broken orbital. Yeah, it happened about ninety seconds into the first round. I got hit with a left hook, and oh my it God. my eye. Sw- I've never I've never seen an eye swell so fast, and it was literally my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I got hit with this shot. I went down. By the time I got up at at, at six, my eye was half closed. Yikes! It was, and by the time I got to my corner, it was pretty much ninety percent closed. Okay, and you still went twelve rounds. That's that's a testament. And won, man. And, and won the fight actually. And <laughs> won the fight with one eye. Yeah, Take my coach that. goes. My coach taps me on the leg in, in the corner and goes, "Baby, don't worry. You still got your lead eye because it was my <laughs> right eye. This was my back eye. So it's like you still have your front eye. You're good. You can see things coming." And that's all I needed to hear as an athlete. I was like, okay, cool. I'm good. Let's go. That's great. Hey, you want to knock out your coach there? Whenever I watch boxing matches, they're always talking to him. And I got to feel like you're just tired as can be after a round. You just want to throw him No, no. It, the, the relationship that, that a boxing boxer has with his coach is so intimate. It's You guys like live together for months leading up to this. And you, there's usually years behind you know, the relationship. So like, it's more of a conversation than anything. It's kind of a back and forth. So. Uh, that's great. We didn't teach that to NBA players, have that kind of type of relationship <laughs> with their coach. Yeah. Okay, any mottos that you live by? Champion lifestyle. That's that's nice. uh, That's been my motto for a long time. Uh, long before I was a champion, I said that I, 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 I treat myself like a champion. I live like a champion. Um, you know, and you don't have to be a champion or ever aspire to be a champion to, to, to live the, the champion lifestyle. It's just a way to go about things to, to try and be your absolute best because that's what I think about when I think of a champion. That's exactly what we're about to the being the best version of yourself that you can be. You don't have to be winning title title fights and everything, but if you can win the day each day, be the best version of yourself. I love that, man. What about the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, the best advice I've ever gotten. I'm going to quote my man Polly Malinaji former two-time world champion boxer. Um, he said in boxing, this is, this is boxing specific. You got to have a short memory. And that really resonated with me because I mean, at the time everything was going great. Well, I shouldn't say that I was undefeated, but everything was definitely not going great for me in terms of my business and uh, the business of boxing. Mm -hmm. But he told me that. And, um, that really resonated me because, you know, as an athlete, good things happen. You could be rolling. And then something bad happens, yeah. you know, and are you going to, are you going to live on that bad thing and, and have that affect you going forward? Um, and I've really noticed that carries over to other sports, like oh. with watching, being on the sideline with my football guys in SBU and, and, um, you know, and they have a bad play and the guys are then now downtrodden and their energy levels go down and, and they're carrying that bad play forward. And yeah. I would say like, you gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta have short memory. Yeah. You, you messed up. Cool. Keep going, go, keep going back to what, what got you where you're at and, and, and do good work. Man, you're exactly, exactly right. I love that. Same thing with basketball too. If people, if players are worrying about mm-hmm. their last player, their missed shot, it's going to affect their next one. I think you exactly. do a really good job of living in the moment. Like just, mm-hmm. I mean, as, as a professional boxer and having to just be in exactly locked in, in the moment, if something happens in the past, forget it, move on to the next. You put in enough work that you know you can succeed in that next moment. Exactly. Like exactly. Okay. This is one of my favorite ones I asked everybody. If you could invite three people, dead or alive, to a dinner party, who you got coming? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, and what are you eating? I mean, we had some good, some good meat and some good lamb and all that out here in LA. But I don't, I don't know what's 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 your go-to 
so the so the guys that are coming to my head, I, I I would definitely love to sit down with any one of them. I'm just I would just don't know how it would go having them all together at the same time. So that sometimes <laughs> makes the best dinners. Yeah. So first and foremost, you know who comes to mind? Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, I think yeah. that he is just such an interesting cat. Yep. And um, and did you know he used to box like in his backyard, like in, in the White House? I didn't know that. He actually lost a vision in one of his eyes boxing a, a like I, it was either a top contender or a champion who he invited to the White House and then asked the guy to go box wow. in the backyard. Wow. How, like, do, you, how yeah. do you go about that? Be like, OK, I'm about to knock out the president. I, I, I think I, from what I understand, I think that Teddy's such a crazy guy that you have no choice because yeah, he's, yeah. he's probably coming swinging at you. <laughs> <laughs> so Teddy Roosevelt definitely won. Um, and we definitely would have to be eating some kind of huge steak or venison or something because he was a hunter Ooh, too. So, yep. um, uh, Muhammad Ali, who awesome. is just, I think, that, I mean, such a charismatic, energetic person. Like, how do you not want to be around that guy? And just to see what it's like, you know, like, is it, is, I would just want to know if, is it that real? Like, was, is he like we all saw? You know, um, so that would be a really cool yep. guy to, to meet and to eat with and to, you know, to just hear him, you know, um, just listen to because you, you, you. I don't even think you get a word in. You just you just listen with a guy like that. Um, who would be my third? We got Muhammad Ali. I mean, yeah, I always yeah. I always throw myself in there. If you can't think of another one, I can be the guy <laughs> that you got. I'll be the punching bag. You guys can throw jokes at me, take swings at me. I'm thinking I'm, I, I'm I'm thinking that I would want like a a, a military leader, okay. so I could so I could talk strategy and kind of think of what, what the mindset would be. Um, that's yeah, that's yeah. great. We could go. I mean, we go Winston Churchill. We go George Washington. Let's just get yeah. We'll just say a military leader. Keep it at that. Yeah, okay. I would say yeah, a military leader. Because then I would have I would have a, a world leader. I'd have a, a world champion, and then like a a master of arms. I think that would be that would be good for me. <laughs> And we're eating venison. We're going huge, massive steak, venison. Huge, massive steak, venison, and red wine. Lots of red wine. <laughs> That's great meal. I'm with you. Okay, I've got a feeling this answer might be everything to this one, but what would you be doing if you weren't a boxer? Uh, da, 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 da. That's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I know. you got a lot of things going on. I'll go with something that like I, I will be doing at some point later on and something that um, I really enjoy. I would be probably a professor. Uh, um, I, I, I like to teach. Um, I, like to, I like to speak to groups. I like to share uh, knowledge and, and, and experience. So I think that would – I probably wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't boxing. I'd probably be doing something a little more grandiose. But that's, uh, uh, that's something that I'm de- I definitely respect and, and see myself doing at some point. In a nutshell advice to a kid that wants to be in your shoes, that wants to be a professional boxer, what, what advice would you give him? Uh, work harder than you think you need to. I like that. Work harder than you think you need to. Push yourself to the point where you're like, I can't do this anymore, and then realize that that's your starting point. That's great. That's how you grow. That's the only way you grow. When you feel uncomfortable in those uncomfortable situations, it's the only way you grow. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're officially off the hot seat. That wasn't too bad. Wasn't probably wasn't as bad as going 12 rounds with a broken orbital. Well, like you said, I, I, I'm good at living in the moment, so those, those kind of things are, are good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on the horizon for you? You got any fights coming up? You planning any uh, big ones? You want to go get Tyson out of retirement and go after him? 
<laughs> not I've been around Tyson quite a few times. He's uh he's a massive and and scary dude. So I, I, I'm I'm gonna stay away from him. But um yeah, I'm looking hopefully to get back in the in in there in the first quarter of 2018. Um, I had to figure some things out from a business perspective, from a legal perspective, uh, from a even health perspective over the years, uh, the past couple past couple months. So I think a lot a lot of those things are about ironed out, and it's time to get back in there and uh, throw the fisticuffs. I, I want you getting Mayweather. I want him to get knocked out. He's well. He's retired now, so unless he's quote unquote retired, so unless he comes back, yeah, we're gonna. I was this up. close, man. So the Pacquiao when the, the Pacquiao fight was this, the lead up to the Mayweather fight. So right. he beat me, and then he got the Mayweather fight. So our our goal at the time was like, all right, we're gonna beat Pacquiao, and we're gonna slide right into that that Mayweather position. Uh, but we missed. Uh, opportunity will come, man. You you you'll get there. <laughs> You get that opportunity. We'll, we'll make a big promotional play with it and try to get Mayweather back out of there. Sweet. <laughs> hey, how can we how can we support you? How can we follow you and everything that you're doing? I mean, for the most part, if you go to ChrisAljury.com, the links to all my social media stuff is on there. If I have anything new coming up, um, I really use my my uh, Instagram more than anything. But um, yeah, that's that's probably the easiest way to to keep track of what's what's going on in in, in my life. We'll definitely link to those in the show notes. In any way, we can uh, any foundations or anything that we can support as well. Yeah, so um, the Wounded Warrior Project is something I've been uh, I've been working with over the last couple of years, and um, they're just an like an amazing program. And, and any chance I've gotten to meet those guys has been every time has been life changing. Um, to hear about what these uh, what these guys have gone through, um, talk about living in the moment, talk about you know, having courage under fire. I mean, boxers, fighters, right. what I've done means nothing compared to what, you know, these guys were doing on a daily and minute to minute basis for months and even years at a time. So, um, you know, those, those, those guys are real heroes. It's a great point, man. We'll definitely, we'll definitely follow that and everybody support that for sure. It's a great cause. Okay. Last question before I let you off. Can you, will you be able to teach me how to have hands of, lightning like you and be able to like any i want to just walk into any conversation i'm in or any meeting and people just fear me like okay this guy's gonna just lay me out you know what's better than walking into and being feared walking in and people not knowing uh that's that's even better yeah have have you ever had that like i I mean i mean everywhere i go i bet yeah they're probably like oh look at this guy that bang 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 Okay, the whole- like I said, when I was in Vegas walking into these gyms, you know, and looking for sparring, it was like, oh, yeah, this, this that guy? Yeah, we got sparring for that guy. And then I would <laughs> I would whoop a lot of ass, and then they'd be like, okay. <laughs> I love that, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, man. You're just uh, like an awesome individual in so many ways. The person that you are, what you've accomplished in your boxing career, who you are outside of boxing, it's, it's just it's a breath of fresh air to be able to talk to you and have you on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that, man. It's been a, it's been a great time. All right, get out here to LA. Let's uh, spar it up. Let's go. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you very much. All right, good stuff. That was great. Big time thanks to Chris for coming on the Game of Life podcast and dropping his knowledge and knocking us out. It's not often you get to hear from the top of the top in individual sports. I mean, this guy was Mayweather, Pacquiao, Khan, the best of the best. And you see what it takes to perform at the top of the mountain. He gave up everything to follow his passion. That's what I find is the coolest about it. 
he didn't just talk about what he wanted to do. He actually went and made it happen, giving up his job, his comfy lifestyle, and stepping out of his comfort zone to fulfill his dreams. All right, everything we talked about on the Game of Life podcast this week will be linked in the show notes. You can find out more about Chris, all that he is doing. Follow him. And we have a call-in of the week to be entered for those NBA tickets, which will be given out on Christmas Day right around the corner. We've been talking about it for a long time, and it's coming up next. One of these podcasts, I will announce the winner for sure. The call-in of the week comes from NBA scout Danny Mills. Danny writes... Great podcast with Kirk Lake. Very cool, in-depth information hearing how the Warriors built their dynasty and their culture. Thank you, Danny, for listening from the NBA. I don't think you'll probably need the NBA tickets, though, but hey, we'll put you in the drawing anyways. That's going down Christmas Day. Be tuned in. It's happening. I want to hear from all you Game of Lifers out there. I want to hear what your questions are, who you want me to bring on this podcast, what you want to learn on. Just let me know. Reach out to me at David Nurse NBA on Twitter or shoot me a message at any time in the show notes. Whatever it is, get a hold of me. I want to hear from you Game of Lifers out there. And since it is the time of giving around Christmas, if you could go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, yeah, that would really help. Get us more sponsors, more great guests coming on. That's your Christmas gift to me. iTunes five-star review. Get at it. And without further ado, we have the three pointers of the week. Three-pointer number one, the book that I am reading this week is Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss, which is basically short life advice from the best in the world. And Tim is the best of the best when it comes to this. He's got people on like Ben Stiller. He's got everybody. Jimmy Fallon has given their life advice. Tim O'Reilly, top of the top leaders and learning on their daily tricks, habits, Stuff that Game of Lifers would absolutely love. Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. Three-pointer number two, the life hack that I'm testing for the week, and it is alkaline water, which is something I might be testing for more than just a week. I absolutely love the smoothness of the taste, number one, but the benefits behind it and the higher pH level, just better all around for you in antioxidants, cleaning features, detoxification, even physical appearance benefits, And it's also supposed to lubricate the muscles and joints and help prevent injuries. I can't say I feel completely different after a week of drinking it, but it does feel really smooth. And knowing the benefits is just knowing that I'm getting the best of the best out of the water. So alkaline water, I'll link in the show notes to how you can learn more about the best water possible. In the third three-pointer of the week, the NBA behind-the-scenes info where you only get here on the Game of Life podcast, we're going to talk to you a little bit about the mystique of Kobe Bryant and answer some questions on some myths or thoughts about Kobe. Did Kobe fly in a helicopter to practice in the games? Yes, he did, which was very smart to beat the LA traffic. Was he the best teammate? Well, it depends on how you determine teammate. I know some of his teammates very well. And, hey, he was all about winning. It didn't matter. He wasn't going to be your friend in the locker room, be your friend off court, but on court, he was all about winning. And he knew how to push guys to their max. And if you weren't tough enough and if you weren't mentally strong enough, you would break. Hence why the White Howard and Kobe situation did not work. So everything you hear about Kobe training at 2 a.m. in the morning, just being a little bit different, a little bit crazy, he was crazy in the way that he was an ultra competitor. Just like Jordan, the two best competitors to ever play in the NBA. 
Kobe and MJ. And that's a wrap on this week's Game of Life podcast. Big thanks to Chris Algieri for coming on the podcast, dropping his knowledge and knockouts, uppercuts. We'll see you next week before Christmas for another episode of the Game of Life podcast. Leave a review, a question, anything you want to talk about, let me know. And remember, life's a journey. Enjoy it. David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.